what is the secret to success? Short version is, you got to have a 22-inch biceps. And you got to be able to kill predators with your bare hands. And the long version is that I actually always had five rules. And everything that I did, I always used those five rules. And those five rules helped me to become successful. So my first rule is, find your vision and follow it. You see, I think it's the most important thing that we have a very clear vision of where we go. A goal, where, where do we go? Because you can have the best ship in the world. You can have the best cruise liner, but if the captain does not know where to go, that ship will drift around the world and out there at sea and will never end up anywhere. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast. A fantastic guest this week. Her name's Katie Sarah and she's an amazing woman and I'm so excited because the, the, the whole podcast for me really, I haven't really explained this I don't think in great depth, but it's about making change, it's about becoming something you never thought you'd be, tapping in on those skills, those traits, the personality that you have inside you, deep inside you, that for some reason you'll let away from. Now be that your upbringing, uh, your circumstances, influences in your life. It just gets to me that people can't get in touch with that side of them that makes them really become who they are. And you know what? It makes life easy. It makes every single day easy because you're in touch with who you are and what you really want to be. And you don't even think sideways about what else is out there. So I found somebody who inspired me, George Elliott, who was a female writer back in the 1800s. And she was in this predicament. She was in a situation where she was stuck. Now, she wanted to become a famous writer, and she did. Her, her main saying that really resonates with, with me is um, incredible saying that I just love. It's never too late to be what you might have been. And I don't know why, but it's just feel, I feel so strongly about that quote. And this girl, Katie Sarah, epitomizes all that and more. And I love it. And I, it's taken me so long to find somebody that inspires me like this and, and is a magnificent fit for my podcast. And she embodies everything about why I do this podcast. And, and I love it. And I loved our conversation. It was so interesting. Um, she really is an engaging person and friendly, um, a great talker and so genuine. Like she, she didn't think twice about coming on the podcast and rocking up to my place without knowing me at all. Uh, and we connected in a really great way and had a, a fantastic conversation. So I thank you sincerely, Katie, for, for doing this for me. And uh, and by, by far for me, you've been one of my greatest guests, if not the best. So so Katie, to tell you a little bit about her, she's, she's climbed the highest mountain in all seven continents. She's also done the seven highest volcanic peaks. And now that's known as the 7-7. Seven, seven. Only seven other men have done this, or seven other people, and they are all men. So Katie's the first woman. So what a, what an, and I love that. I love that somebody's the first to do something. That's groundbreaking. And really that gets back to you. You can be the first to do something in your area. You may be stuck in your job or st stuck in your environment, your family or whatever, but take on the attitude. You're going to be the first to change and break out of it and become who you were meant to be. And podcasts like this, I think, will inspire you to do that. So Katie, she's a, she's a mother. She, she has um, a beautiful family. Um, she's had injuries. She had her ankle fused, but still managed to do two Ironman triathlons. Um, so like I said, she's an adventurer. She runs her own company now and in helping people um, achieve their adventures. Uh, she talks about, she, she, you know, the, the only South Australian woman to do the, the top of Mount Everest as well. So all these things we talk about. One thing that really was a great story was how she was on a Russian cargo plane 
landed on blue ice. It was a five-hour flight then to the base of the mountain in Antarctica. She talks about how she how she handles that, how she handles the fear and the challenge, uh, and it's really about managing fear. You know, you, in, in her mind, she comes up with solutions and options, and she moves forward. and And I just love that. I think that's a really good strategy to handle. And your fear, you know, your fear in your life might be something not quite as daunting as that. It may be purely you, you don't want to get on the bike and go for a ride because you, you fear of traffic or you don't want to go into work because you, you fear uh, somebody at work. It could be anything, but these strategies will help you uh, in that situation as well. So she talks about that that fantastic story. And her, one of her main um, sayings she has is um, she, she, lo- she, she thinks it's about changing this sort of attitude of it. I'd love to do that and I wish I could but change that to I want to do that and I'm going to do that so that doesn't happen overnight I know but um, conversations like this uh, that I have with people like Katie will help help you understand uh, yourself and, and how to go about changing the way you think and getting you on a path that, that really not only excites you it enlightens you it excites you and it puts you in touch with really your personality and, and that can be formed you know, when you were born and your early influences. And then you've got to find out those things in your life that really resonate with you, things you think about all the time. You know, for me, for example, it's fitness and and music. You know, I love playing the guitar and I love being really fit um, and being in touch with that side of me. And, you know, during my years working in the bank and, and various other jobs I've had, it took me so far away from that. But uh, at my age now, I'm going back towards that and, and every day just becomes interesting and uh, I have more energy and I want to get up out of bed and, and, and it doesn't even feel like work doing this podcast, uh, the training I'm doing now, now at the gym and, and playing my guitar and music and, and things like that and talking to people in my podcast, it, it, it's, it doesn't feel like work at all, it's actually fun and, uh, and who knows where things like that take you when it becomes fun and exciting. So anyway, these, this sort of conversation, will re- I hope and I'm sure it will help you sort of get in touch with that type of thing too. There's other things I can give you in terms of books that I read that I will be um, explaining on the podcast and sharing with you as well that will help you on, on this path of yours as well. Um, so re- look, you will enjoy this one. Um, she's a lovely lady, so engaging and just really genuine and, and enthusiastic and and what resonated with me was really what I see with Katie is what I get. I felt like I knew her in the first five or ten minutes, and that really tells me what a what a fantastic special person she is. My mum will be really happy because she always she's been asking me to get a, a female guest on the podcast. So I did that, and uh, I've asked uh, Katie on the podcast a few questions that Mum sent to me as well. So that's another special moment for me that uh, I got to ask Katie some special questions from my fantastic and another woman that I I know that's probably uh, inspiring to me, and that's my mum. So. Um, Big shout out to you, Mum. Hope you're listening. <laughs> so anyway, everybody, sit back and uh, really enjoy this one. Once again, put it on in the car, put it on at night when you go to bed. Keep listening when you go for a jog or on your bike. Just put it in your iPhone and put your headphones in and and chip away and listen to it. And uh, I'm sure it'll help you become the person you were meant to be. Bye for now. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Pete Takeos podcast. George Eliot said, "It is never too late to be." what you might have been. I'm Pete, and each podcast, I dive deep into conversation with my inspiring hand-picked guest. Nothing is off limits. I dig deep and talk about everything that makes them who they are to try and help you be inspired and motivated to unlock your own inner uniqueness and help you become what you might have been. So join me with today's special guest. Let's dig deep.
Okay, welcome everyone to another fantastic guest on the podcast, Katie Sarah. Now, it's very, I'm so excited today, Katie, because uh, there's a couple of reasons. One, I haven't had a female guest on my podcast before, and I really, the podcast is about a, a really famous female from the 1800s, uh, George Eliot, who was actually a female but had a male name. And uh, she felt that back in those times that she needed to find a way to get heard and, and so that her her books that she wrote sort of could get into the public eye. And I just found that she was a very strong female role model back then. Not that I know a lot about it, but it was my inspiration for the podcast. Also, my, as I just told you off there, that my mum said I need to get a female guest on the podcast. And it, that's not the reason why, because I know <laughs> I want to have equal men and females on the, on the podcast. But when I saw your story... Um, I think it was in the advertiser. Something just really excited me, resonated with your your your, your personality and what you had achieved. So I was really really interested to get you on the podcast. And I, I honestly, I couldn't believe it when I emailed you and you said straight away, yeah. You know, so I really thank you for that. Um, but firstly, can we start talking about your background? And probably, I think it was was it around two thousand and six that you did your first serious mountain climb. Was that around that time? And if you could just talk me through where you're at perhaps before you got into all this climbing uh, adventures and where, so where you were, you were at in your life and perhaps mentally and then sort of what, what got you the change and how you did that? Can we start talking about those types of things? Absolutely. Uh, so yes, my first peak was in 2006 and it was the highest peak in Bolivia, Nevada Sayoma, which is mm-hmm. 6,542 yep. metres. So that was my first experience of altitude. And to that point you had no experience at this stage in climbing or not a lot? Definitely no experience in altitude. Mm -hmm. I'd had a couple of years of rock climbing Mm -hmm. and that was sort of what opened the horizon for me, I guess, to go go to the mountains. Can we get into that first? So before that though, where were you at before that, before you got into rock climbing? So if we go back, I won't say how many years, many. (laughs) Um, So in my 20s, I was doing triathlon. So I started with the small Smaller distance ones. And had you always been into fitness or did that, were you a fit person at school and did a lot of running or you just sort of took that up late as well? Definitely later. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to do cross-country runs yep. at school and I, like 90% of my class, mm. hated it, absolutely hated it. And that would have only been like a kilometre, but that was our definition of hell for sports mm-hmm. lesson. Uh, so got through school and being a child of the 80s, I think I picked up aerobics. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the, yes, aerobics, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I guess I've ch- now channeled that lycra from 1980s aerobics to cycling. Yep, uh, okay. But that did follow me through, but then... Mm-hmm. So road cycling in, on the road, on the bike, yep. These days, yes, a little bit. But uh, back then, that you, initially, that was that was what you got into, the road cycling? In your no, early no, it was, oh. it was lycra with the aerobics. Oh, just the aerobics, okay. Yes. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so... After a few, so we're talking late teens, early 20s, mm-hmm. uh, I started doing some swimming with my husband and he was quite a good triathlete mm-hmm. and being newly married at that age, I thought, oh, I can be, be a, a wife and, and actually do something yep. that was kind of fun, it mm-hmm. appealed, so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll see what I can do, I can do some cycling, mm-hmm. do some running and actually worked out I was a halfway decent runner. So wow, you hadn't really known that, thought you had sort of just learning that about yourself. Yeah, that ab- stage. Yep. absolutely. So yep. as I said, it started with the swimming. I was getting up 5.30 in the morning and doing some swimming yep. sessions that I'll give the rest a go. And were, were you doing that with your husband at that stage? Yes. The swimming? Yep. Yeah. So that yeah. would have been good, both of you doing the same thing. Would have been yeah. nice and motivating. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It was, um, as I said... Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was accepted he was way faster than I yep. was, so that was fine. I wasn't being competitive, mm-hmm. but it was just fun to 
sort of share the misery yep. of getting up at 5.30 in the morning. And, yeah, as I said, sort of tried the other disciplines for triathlon and still don't really like swimming and actually have to admit still really quite hate cycling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the running I really did enjoy. So through my 20s I was doing half marathons and, and still the shorter triathlons. Mm-hmm. Then in my late 20s had three children. So That's going to hit the running a little bit, I would imagine. It was actually fantastic because it was my break mm-hmm. from home. So because Tim and ah, I... Were, so you kept it going because you to have the break. That's interesting. That's ab- good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, except once I was about five or six months pregnant, yeah. of course, it was then just... And how, how, how many times a week would you have been running then or how far? Was oh, pretty much daily. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, the half, half marathon training programs. Yep. So. And is that because you, you just enjoyed it? You, know, you really enjoyed running? It, you did, like you said, yeah. you found it just a good getaway from... From the, the screaming of the kids and things like that, yeah, did you find it relaxing? I did certainly once the boys were born. Uh, sort of before the bo- so, my first son was born when I was twenty six. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was just I was actually enjoying the fitness and being outdoors. Yeah. Then sort of got addicted, mm-hmm. I guess. And then once the boys were born, yeah, absolutely, it was the the break and yeah. my my meditation, my mm-hmm. ability to. So centre myself. So also then at that stage, was your husband good at looking after them while you were running or did they didn't oh, yeah. need to that stage? So he was good support? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Brilliant. Yeah. And we were basically tag teaming. He's a morning person. I was an evening person. So mm-hmm. I didn't, well, I'd do the overnight and morning shift. Yeah. And then he'd go for his run in the morning. He'd come home from work so I could go for my run. Yeah. And then so into my early 30s, once the boys were toddlers, it was absolute heaven at six o'clock to say, hi, darling. You can feed the boys dinner and I'm going for a run. Yep. So, so yeah. it, all, it would have been fairly organised household though if, you, if you're sort of – you're off running and your husband's – was he still training a lot at that stage as well? He was still running. Uh, he had a, a leg injury that sort of has put a, a halt to his running career into, in his 30s. But, yeah, at that stage he was still running, so we were very much – Yeah, so both still, fits, both still fit and, and living that healthy lifestyle. Oh, three to now, yes. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. Fantastic. All righty. Yep. So how far did you take the triathlons in the, in the running? Did you do a marathon at that stage or around that time? So I did half marathons before the boys were born. Mm-hmm. And then once the boys were a little bit older, so into my early 30s, was when I did my two Gold Coast marathons. Okay. So I think I figured yeah, once the boys were a little bit older and then I could ramp up the running yep. again, I decided to do a half marathon and really push it and see how the training went and then move on Up to a full, full one. if that all went yeah. well, which it did. And how did you yeah. go in the, the – so the Gold Coast Marathon was your first one. Yes, and, and did I did go, that twice. Then did you achieve the time that you wanted to, to achieve? I did. I did a three-hour 30 wow, marathon. Wow, that's solid. That's what I just did. <laughs> well done. Yeah, um, it's solid. Solid pace. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. very and much. And did you enjoy it? Or was it, a, it oh, I loved it. How did you go? The What was the hardest for you? The, for me, I really struggled at the 28-kilometre mark. And then from that point on, it was just really painful. How did you go? Or did you fly through it? I'm just trying to think. Because it, obviously it is a few ago. years ago yeah. now. Um, I do remember enjoying both of them. Mm. Uh, I think the, the down, the, the worst point of the second one was... When we were flying home later that day, and our plane was delayed, so we had to run to get our connecting flight. Just and what I'm you just, need. Yeah, yeah, I'm hobbling through <laughs> Melbourne Airport. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no. I, so it sounds like you, you trained well and you achieved the result you wanted to achieve, and uh, everything went to plan by the sounds of it. Because you'd remember if it, was, if it, if it hit, hit a massive wall and it was a world of pain, I'm sure you remember it even now. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, no. I, running was definitely my thing. Yeah. And so that was in my early 30s. However, then, how old was I? 35. Mid, mid 30s, I had a climbing accident. Okay. So you, w- when did you get into the climbing? It, it, around that time? Or yes. Was that, so that was at the beginning of your climbing? Yes. Talk me through what happened there. So I. Discovered rock climbing mm-hmm. and spent a couple of years rock climbing. Now, can I just ask, sorry to interrupt, but was that through a friend or you, you just decided you saw it somewhere and you wanted to have a go at it? How, how did you get into your rock climbing? We actually did a trip to the Flinders. So I'd done the 100-kilometre trek in the Adelaide Hills a couple of times mm-hmm. and was starting to get out in the longer distance walking. And then a friend of mine invited me along on a two-night, two I think, Flinders trip where we were going to camp in the middle of the pound overnight and then abseil down the other side. Wow. Yeah, I was, it was sounds, really it was it a cool trip. great, yeah. And I actually do have to admit that that night was my first night out in a swag under the stars. So, again... You camped before? Or no. No camping at all? No camping before. Okay, so you don't mind taking on new challenges. That's good. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And you loved it. It w- yeah, it was a really good trip, uh, but then the abseil, again, I have to admit, at the top of this sheer cliff, mm. terrified, like, what on earth am I doing? But then once I got strapped into the ropes, and I was like, okay, yep, no, I feel safe. So you'd never abseiled before then? Did you do any no. training for that? No. At all? This was your first time? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's uh, that's full on. And yet, a very steep, very sheer yeah. cliff. Yeah. So uh, you got a, a lot of trust in the people around you that were setting that up for you, no doubt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And these guys, I knew that they knew what they were doing. Yeah. So once, I, as I said, once I was strapped in, I was like, yeah. okay, I'm safe. Yeah. Abseiling down, going, wow, you this is actually kind of cool. You enjoyed it. You went with it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Then once I felt safe and I wasn't just going to topple down to the yeah. bottom of the cliff. Yeah. But then being one, I guess, to enjoy thrashing myself and challenging myself. Yeah. That was kind of e- – it was fun, but it was easy. You, I could see the chalk on the wall. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's got to be from people climbing up this stuff. So after that went, wow, that's what I want to try. So I turned up to work a couple of days later and mentioned to a couple of people, a couple of work colleagues, that this is what I'd done. I'd like, wow, I'd love to try it. And one of the women made the mistake of admitting, oh, yeah, I used to do some rock climbing. So I think I literally, like, grabbed her by the scruff of the neck and said, right. You were someone to show me. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I have a climbing partner. Yep. So, yeah, so we started climbing from there. And then now, it was... Where were you going there? Was it Moriolta or somewhere like that? Was it somewhere local? At that point, it was because we didn't have all the gear and, well, I was just starting, starting out. Gym. We just went to the climbing gym. Okay. Up at yep. Holden Hill. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, really loved that. Then I had a few opportunities to go Moriolta and Arapalese. And then over that couple of years was when the opportunity to go to Bolivia came up. And again, it was sort of that natural progression, I mm. think, from outdoors, climbing, ropes. So, oh, okay, high altitude, mm-hmm. real mountains. Next step. Mm. Now, is this, bef- this, you haven't had your accident at this stage? So, my climbing accident was actually about two months after Bolivia. Ah, uh, okay. So, 2000, yep. August 2006 was when I went to Bolivia. Mm-hmm. Well, we better back. We better just talk about that then. So, your first ever mountain climb in Bolivia. How did it go? Were you really scared leading into it, or were you very confident in the, in the preparation? 
Uh, how was your family? Were they worried for you? Not particularly for this trip, I don't think. Uh, it was certainly the first... So the trip was three weeks. Yeah. And the boys would have been aged eight to 11, mm-hmm. I guess. And how high... What was the attitude of this one? So that was 6,500. That's significant. It was, yeah. but sort of not the death zone, mm-hmm. all that sort yep. of stuff. So yep. A good first up yeah. challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and being me, I completely threw myself into the training. Yeah. It was just like, right, you know, this is... So what, so I just want to touch on that. So when you say being you, do you mean you throw yourself into things 100%? Is that, oh, definitely. And you've always done that? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so even I think during school when I wasn't... It wasn't focused towards fitness and training, it was... Academic and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. If, I'm, if I do something, I have to properly. do it properly. Yep. Absolutely. Does that cause you any problems at all? Do you, do you sleep well? Does it ever? Do you find you can't switch off, or does it? Or are you in control of all that? Uh, I guess I have. I, I have some tricks yep. to get can myself you, to. Can you tell me one? Tell me any. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, that, that. Well, what are some of your tricks that you do to switch off or to relax, to, to combat that sort of? Uh, in depth, you know, um, throw yourself in type attitude. This is kind of a, it is a bit of a weird one. Um, however, and it's almost every night when I go to bed, yep. I will stick my iPod mm-hmm. buds in my ear and I listen to Blackadder. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> one of my favourite ever episodes. Series. See, uh, see, I could almost quote <laughs> every episode from all four series oh, because yeah. I listen to it every yeah. night. Yeah. And I find. So you listen to the, the different. Show or the but the same Blackadder every yep. night. I've got for the four yeah so the four the f- series but it's yeah. all Blackadder yeah. But because I know it all so well yeah and all the different versions of the Blackadder you mean as well like because there's so many different different versions of the comedy the comedy we're talking about with yeah. Robin Atkinson yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah. the army one and yeah. the yeah so you got yeah, so there's four series yeah. with however many episodes in each series. <laughs> How many times have you listened to each episode? Oh. Do you think? Hundreds, possibly. Wow. Well, definitely dozens each episode. So when you sit down at night and you put this on, do you last long? Or no. was it different most nights? Do you fall asleep within a couple of minutes these days or is it, is it could go on for a long time? It can. It's rare that I'd get through a whole episode. Yeah. But well, it's because I know it so well that if I am not able to fall asleep, yeah. it's still mildly entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sort of listening to it, trying to... Is it the fami- familiarity of it, do you think, that relaxes mm. you? Because you, you know the voices and you know the storyline. Is, is that what it is, that, that you know that's associated with being relaxed? Do you mm. think? I think, yeah, yeah, partly that, but it also it can either engage my brain enough yep. so that my brain isn't churning well, over is other stuff. fascinating. I've never heard of anything like that in my life. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. That's well, really interesting. It's mi- yeah. mildly embarrassing. But <laughs> no, 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 no. Blackout is one of the yeah. greatest all comedies of all time. I love the Baldrick yeah. and those and Percy and... <laughs> That's yes. fantastic. Um, does your husband is he into Blackadder? No. Or is it just, and, and well, my youngest w- son and I can yeah. actually go for quite a while <laughs> quoting various episodes. And so uh, they watch it. You watch it with them, or you have in the past. Oh, yeah. they've watched it yeah. themselves separately. Okay. But you don't watch it anymore. It's just listening to. I just listen to it. No, so it's actually kind of bizarre when I do watch an episode. So if I'm on expedition mm. and I'm stuck in my tent, nothing else to do. Every now and then, I will watch yeah. an episode. So you've got them all so, on your on your iPhone or something. Haven't yeah. You? yeah. <laughs> That's, but it, that's yeah, very no, funny. it works a trick because yeah, yep. if I don't, if I can switch off quickly, yeah, well, it's then not it's too not in depth, is it? Because yeah. I, I know sometimes I, I put podcasts on a lot uh, at night, a lot, like I told you, and sometimes I get in depth and I end up being up for an hour, exactly, and, and it's too yeah. much because then I'm tired the next day. So yeah. and then it does get your brain working. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that I don't want something that will no. 
You want to, and that's, I guess it's relaxing and entertaining. So it's lighthearted, isn't it? It's like oh, nothing yeah. too serious. No, Rightio, so that. That, that was fascinating. <laughs> I love it. So that was leading to leading into you into the, the, the first um, climb. Um, so yeah, talk us through it was a success and you really enjoyed it and inspired you to do more. Oh, yeah. yeah you definitely. loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, the boys, so having left the family, it was only three weeks. So it wasn't terribly long. Uh, they were old enough to be. Moderately yeah. independent, so yeah. they get themselves ready yeah. for school and that sort of stuff. So it wasn't would have been hard work for my yeah. husband, but not. he obviously stepped up and was, was happy oh, yeah. to do that. That's yeah. great, good support. Yeah, definitely. Did yeah. you? Was there any guilt on your behalf in that way, or did you? Were you the type of person who says, "No, look, this is what it takes to do what I do, and this is who I am as a person, and therefore I'm doing this, and I'm not going to beat myself up or be guilty about it." Is that is that your mindset, or were you thinking? Oh, is it the other way? Are you thinking I shouldn't be doing this and my poor husband? Or talk me through your mindset when it comes to that. Because I reckon that's important because I think a lot of people stop change because they get the guilt or they think of how it's going to affect other people. And it intrigues me. And I think in this day and age where, and that's why you're so great for, for to talk to, is I think some women particularly do feel the guilt leaving their children and doing those things. And, I, and I'm, that's not right or wrong. It's just different per person. So I'm interested in your mindset around that. Certainly that first trip, it was, well, I guess I, guess I sort of thought of it as a, as a one-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't necessarily going to be my new thing. It was just yep. this amazing opportunity. So, And like you said, I guess before you were 100% in. Yeah, yeah. Abs- yeah definitely. Yeah. So I'd done all the training and it was only a few yeah. weeks and it was it was going to be not necessarily one and only, but I was only focused on, on that. that, not yeah. a career of, yeah. as it has turned out, yeah. of mountaineering. Uh, so that trip, yes, I arrived on the trip. Yeah, was so excited to be. Mm. In, I'd never been to South America before. I was my, it was my first long trip away from the boys. Mm-hmm. Which did you keep in contact? Were you, or was it hard to? It's generally hard to on these trips, and I've sort of made, I guess, a habit of not regularly being in touch, just because then that sets up everybody's expectations. Yeah. Uh, so if everyone's expecting to hear from me every day, every second day, if, it, if I can't for whatever reason, then... I worry or... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you yep. look back not that long ago when someone went on a major expedition and there might be no news for six months or a year. Mm. So it's very different now and, it, and that has its pros and cons. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so, yeah, so I would be in touch when I could and I'd always say, well, this is what we're doing and... Yeah. I'll be in touch when I can. Mm-hmm. For the Everest trip, I found that... When was Everest? When so the first trip was in 2007. Yep. Okay. That leads, that's not too far away from your, from your first one. So you've tackled the... And that was base camp or was it actually going up the, a, a, a hit at the summit? Well, the yeah. Interesting story behind that one. <laughs> so I've, I've done the Bolivian yep. peak yep. and was the... To myself and the guide were the only two out of a group of 15 that summited. Wow. What happened to the rest? They turned around at various yep. points. This is the Bolivian one we're talking about? Mm. Wow. And what, because it just got hard for them? Yes. Yeah. For, I think they were, they were very, everyone had different yeah. reasons. Some okay. people were struggling with the altitude. Mm. Some people were feeling unwell. I think some people in their own heads, they mm. just mm. talked themselves out of it. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and that happens on any so peak. Two out of 15. Yeah, and one was the guide. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, so, so yeah, so having done that trip, yep. 
they would have given you a lot of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So at the end of the, and there, there was some very fit yeah. guys in this trip. Yeah, that, well, it's not fitness, is it? Attitude, they, they say. I'm not sure what it is, but. No, oh, it's a definite mix, and I've never yeah. pinpointed when you couldn't. Yeah. People are different, but. Do you, get, you don't get affected by attitude sickness much? In, in not much. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, all the mild symptoms, yeah. but yeah. definitely never serious. Yeah. All um, right. So Everest, yeah. So how did. Yeah, so having successfully summited uh, in Bolivia, then I did come out of it going, well, you know, all these mm. alpha male fit guys that they didn't make it. Obviously, there's something in my my makeup, and yep. it's the physiology, it's the mental attitude, discipline, whatever. Yep. All of it together. All came together yep. to possibly mean that I was okay at altitude. Mm. So then two months later, I broke my ankle. Oh, that's the climbing accident? Yes, that's oh. the climbing accident. Where was that? <clears throat> Adelaide. Yep. Adelaide's always been my climbing more deadly... Gym? A climbing gym? No, or? no, no, I was up at Moriarty. Oh, no. Tell me what happened. <laughs> uh, it was one of my first, possibly even my first lead climb. And Sorry, what's a lead climb? Oh, lead, lead climb. So climb, you're leading, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was basically the last piece of gear I'd put in, the ledge that I was standing on. Mm. I've actually gone to top out, so I've done the whole climb. Mm. But at the top of the cliff, was there was dirt and there were pebbles and I'm trying to find a spot to pull myself over mm-hmm. and basically just ended up back on the ledge oh, that I've been standing on yeah. to put the last piece of gear in. Oh, my God. So, but you've got a safety line there, haven't you? Is that, did, that, did you fall and that safety line caught you? Or yes. Did you, yeah, okay. That, that the safety line and the ledge. Yeah. But it, it would have actually been better if the ledge wasn't there because it was the ledge, obviously, that yeah. uh, and broke your ankle. got my ankle. How would you get down? Uh, the guys... How did I get up? Basically hauled me up over the top mm-hmm. and then carried me out. Yeah. Painful? At that stage, Sick. I wasn't sure what I'd exactly okay. done. Yeah. It ended up being a massive grandfather of a sprain mm. and a break in wow. the talus. Okay. Now, that didn't put you off, though? No. No, no, no. no, no. Would have put you out of action for speed a, hump. a few months? So I ended up in a moon boot for a couple yeah. of months. How did you go being inactive? Especially at the start, how did that? How does that influence you? Uh, or was it time to relax? No, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk you through my rehab after the surgery, which was a year later. Oh, okay. Again. So it came back. So, huh? Yeah. Righto. Um, but that initial time when you couldn't, you probably couldn't walk for th- properly for two, three, four weeks. How, how, do you, how do you? How's the downtime go with you? Because you would have three young children at home. Um, you're stuck at home. How do, how do you deal with that? So, well, when I actually had the surgery, it was. A year later, and it was yep. three months no weight bearing. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I started for a couple of weeks in a wheelchair, just to keep it elevated yep. to help the the swelling, and then I was on crutches mm. with no weight on my right foot, yep. right leg for almost three months. Yeah. Did you get down, or, or were you quite positive still and and tried to still be active? So my training regime was turning up in the wheelchair yep. to the gym and yep. boxing. Okay, yeah. Big tip, put the brake on the wheelchair. Because <laughs> um, otherwise you just yep. shoot backwards. Uh, so that was my cardio. Yep. I could actually so you've get, adapted. You, you've found a way to keep training. I spent three keep months. Keep it a routine. Yep. Yeah, training quite hard. I think, that, I, think that's, I think that's what positive people do, though. They, they look forward and think, well, okay, well, let's adapt and change. And, all right, it's not the same, exact same lifestyle or a training program, but let's get one going, you know, and I think mm. that sounds like that's what you you did. Oh, yeah, I was, yeah. I was simply creative. So the, yep. the boxing was great cardio and I could yep. swim. Yep. So I'd yep. do laps. Mm-hmm. 
then I could actually still do weights. I could still do weights on my top mm-hmm. half, yep. but I could also still do like leg raises and that sort of thing because obviously I'm not putting weight on my foot for yeah, that. Yeah, but the, top the cast got a bit of bit mangled because mm. of course I've got the weight across that. But yep. I ended up walking out of the doctor's surgery when he took the cast off. Yeah, instead of he's saying, "I oh, know you've got to keep the crutches because you'll need them." So mm. Under my arm and well, done, carried them out. Sounds like you've done the work and you're, you're yeah. ready, yeah. And probably chomping at the bit to, to get up and, and walk and <laughs> get active again. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. to be able to then put the weight on meant I could yeah. pick everything back up. But sort of pretty much every other muscle in my body except for that, that the calf cool. yeah. was still in shape. Yeah. So so that operation, that was a year later after you hurt your ankle, was it? Yes. Yeah. Had you done any climbs in between then or was it just trouble through that whole year with that ankle? No, I got to 8,400 metres on Everest. <laughs> Rightio, that was the Everest yes. one before the operation. Okay. Well, so talk, now that was your first attempt at Everest. You were going for the, for the top? No. No? No, no, no. What were you going um, for there? So the story behind that was I was still in my moan boot mm-hmm. earlier, in the, earlier in 2007. Yep. And got the phone call saying, I've got an Everest trip. Why don't you come along and just see, you know, try for 7,000 metres, 7,500 yep. metres. Come on for the trip. Yeah, experience. Yeah, because mm. uh, I was also I was working for the business that was running the trip at that point. So mm. I was like, yeah, come. What, what were you doing for them? Well, let's just, just quickly to touch on what were you doing for work before then. So I've actually got an accounting background. Oh, okay. So I worked for a self-managed superannuation company for 10, 12 years before that. Yep. Then had a year or so off. So that was while the boys were being born. Mm-hmm. Then in my well, pretty much when I came back from Bolivia, I started working for this business and then... So, so you left a full-time job? Was it full-time with the self-manager no, or just some no, part-time? Part, yeah, okay, part-time because yeah. I kept three boys small and, children. Yep, yep, yep. And so you just said to them, look, sorry, I'm moving on to uh, from uh, um, quite a, uh, an analytical type of role, I guess, some administration, no doubt, to now an adventurous type Type mm. role. Didn't think twice about that? Or, or no. I could imagine it was just a, a very straightforward move for you in um, some ways. I had taken a year off work, just working out yep. what I wanted to do, and this opportunity came up, mm-hmm. basically through the rock climbing and, and so on, and thought, oh, that sounds like fun. Exciting. Um, mm. Yeah, yes, yeah, so just and being in the, the yep. area, the industry. Mm-hmm. So, Rightio. so, so that, with, with that, yeah. I went to, to yeah, Everest. on the Everest trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously two months or so before the Everest trip, I got the moon boot off. So a couple of months, and that was from the original break mm-hmm. before, the, well before the surgery. So really no training, mm. uh, and only a six thousand five hundred meter peak. Only. Only. Well, that's moderate. That's moderately mm. good altitude. But Were you daunted not, at all? Were you having oh, yeah. any negative thoughts? And what's well, I guess because I was going with the idea of. Experiencing the trip and aiming for seven to seven and a half thousand metres, then it was still scary because it mm. was Everest. Yeah. But so, oh no, yeah, that's see how I go. That mm. maybe should be achievable. Mm. Um, but this was to Tibet on the north side mm-hmm. to climb Everest. So to go above seven thousand metres, which I sort of wanted to, if I could, wanted to have the opportunity to do so, that meant I, I actually needed a summit permit. Because you could get a permit to 7,000 metres or the summit. It was like, mm. oh, it'd be devastating to get to seven and want to go mm. even just five or 600 metres more and technically not be able to. Yeah. So I had a summit permit. 
So I went on the trip and come summit day, I'm still going up. <laughs> Just I got to, yeah, yeah. I, got, I got to 8,450 or so metres. Yeah. What's the peak? 8,850. So you're, yeah, you're not far off. But mm. is it a long way when you're there? You just, okay, it's only 400 metres or whatever, but does it seem... It'll be a few hours. Yeah, yeah. Were you tempted? Or did I couldn't. It, no. I just... The ankle was giving way. Yeah. Um, I, th- I was probably pretty exhausted and tired yeah. by that point yeah. as well, and I just didn't have the strength or the skills yeah. well, I mean, to keep going. that's fair enough. The training wouldn't have been there. You know, you weren't training for long leading into that trip. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And what did I, you think, though? Were you thinking, I'm going to come back and do this? At that point, so where I had to turn around, it was this really steep mm. sort of yeah. crack in the in the cliff that I basically just couldn't get the purchase with. I was too tired and I didn't have the mm. strength in my ankle to get up, so I had to turn around. Yeah. I must say I was thinking, thank goodness I'm going down, but bother. <laughs> um, I've mm. come so far. You wanted to get. Is it maybe I'll need to come back? Mm. Uh, it took a little while to sort of process it all and, yep. and make the decision, mm-hmm. and some negotiations at home, of course, because yep. yep. uh, Everest is a completely different proposition to a six thousand five hundred meter peak. Mm. Yeah. So. So how did you yeah. get that one across the line? Like, what, 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 so when you got back, was that it? You were you full on thinking, okay, my next one is Everest, and I'm going to get. Is that what happened after Not, you had your no. operation? Uh, not immediately because I definitely needed some skills and I mm. knew that. Yeah. So is this is that, that that end of it? Is it then become a lot of climbing skills to 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 go past that point? Is it? Not necessarily technical climbing skills, mm. but it's just an ability. I mean, that was so on Everest was almost my second day in crampons. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not an ideal approach to yeah. to climbing an eight thousand meter peak. So I just needed more experience in basically looking after myself in those conditions. Yeah. And that is that results in such a huge conservation of energy mm. that it means come summer day, you've got a lot more left in the tank. Yeah. So just, just being comfortable work, walking in crampons, how to even just the domestic duties in the tent, all that sort of stuff to be getting adap- efficient. Getting adapted to mm. it, yeah, and being efficient. Okay. I mean, I was happy and comfortable in the environment, but mm. I just didn't have the skills to do it efficiently. Yeah. All right. Well, how did you get there? Where to from here? So... I guess just, just to recap the timeline, 2006 in August was Bolivia. Broke my ankle in November 2006. 8,450 metres on Everest the next April. Surgery in August. Mm-hmm. At which point I was basically finding I couldn't do a, a long like five to seven hour hike in the hills without just collapsing that night. Yeah. Was, fitness or ankle? Ankle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fitness was fine, yeah. but the ankle just it was bone on bone. Mm. By this point. So... Were you worried at that stage? Starting to get worried about your ankle, your body? In terms of of the future? um, Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, I was sort of just ignoring it and, oh, it'll be fine. But then got to the point, after one particular walk, it's like, oh, okay, no, this isn't... This can't go on. So Mm. I went and saw a surgeon and he pretty much said, you won't be able to hike or walk again. Like, we can do the surgery, but... It's pretty negative though, aren't they, surgeons? In terms they, of, they take the most fearful case and put that yeah. to you. I found that with when I did my knee. Like, oh, you'll never run again. Don't even think about it. You know, but I know so many people have knee reconstructions and ankles and whatever they've done, things that they weren't supposed to do. So, oh, absolutely. So and like, it's all that mindset of, well, I, don't, I want to be able to walk when I'm yeah, 70. Yeah. But 
let's see what I can do. Yeah. So, and then I, I do get that they have to prepare you. Yeah, for the worst case. Yeah, mm. and but then at that point it's like, well, I can't do the hiking and climbing that I want to do now. So mm. let's just bung a screw in it. Bung mm-hmm. a what in it? A screw. Oh, okay, so that's that's what this the neck surgery was. Yes. To put a, yeah. yeah, so I can show you a photo. It's a seven centimetre screw. And what does that do? Give support to the joint, doesn't it? It's actually fused the joint. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so, my so ankle, you've got flexibility still? So my ankle can go up and down, but mm. it can't do the sideways. Is that a good, that's probably a good thing for walk, mountain walking and things, isn't it? You can't, you can't well, twist it? You can't twist it, but the stabilising. Yeah. So his you, you core was... Adjust. Yeah. Yep. For difficult rocky terrain, oh, you yeah. actually need to yep. be able to have all sorts of movement. Yep. So this, this helped you? This was a, a success, the operation for you? Put the screen. I proved my surgeon wrong. <laughs> Much to his delight, to yeah. give him his credit, he was yeah. more than happy with um, yeah. the outcome. But yeah, as we said, he was giving me the worst case scenario. Yeah. So had the surgery for three months, no weight bearing. Mm-hmm. I talked about before, and then it was just okay. Yeah. Let's see what I can do with it now. Yeah. And so from from there, it was then obviously the training again that I talked about before during the recovery, and yeah. then once the the cast was off, it was back into it. Yeah, and, so, and not too painful. It was... I was fine, yeah. Yep. Well, yeah I mean, it's, yep. it's screwed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I was back in, and it was really yep. just a matter of getting everything yep. moving again. Yeah. Uh, so I did a... I went to New Zealand and did some climbing earlier in 2008, and then over... It's so a Christmas 2008... Into 2009 mm-hmm. was my first trip to Antarctica. Wow. And okay, now how did Antarctica get on the radar? So again, well, that was through work. So we had a group okay. going. So this is just sort of a falling in front of you, isn't it? It's not like you, you set out to do I will say you've, you, you've done the 7 7, which yeah. is the seven um, in seven continents, the seven highest peaks. Mm-hmm. And are they all volcanoes or you've done the seven volcanoes as well? So that's the second seven. Yeah. So the okay. seven highest volcanoes on each yep. continent. Wow. So, yeah, oh, it very but you, much... But you weren't setting out necessarily no. to do that at this stage? No, 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 no. no. You're just sort of seeing opportunities and, 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 and going, maybe yes, that, please. <laughs> yeah, and, and it probably ignited something in you that excited you and you thought, okay, that's what, that's what I want to do. And I reckon that's There's, important too. Something's got to, For me, I, I know I've got to be excited by something to really give it 100%. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think also for each trip that I've done, it's very much been about like the training and the journey, mm-hmm. to be prepared for it. Yep. But then the actual trip itself has to be with good people yep. that, I'm, that I enjoy spending three to six, mm-hmm. seven weeks in. You're pretty close, remote. I suppose, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Every day, every yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah, you, need, you need to have good people yeah. with you. And it's, I guess it sort of just fell into place, that mm-hmm. for the, certainly for the seven summits. So yeah. the first, well, obviously... A, had been to Everest the first time, but mm-hmm. the my first of the seven summits was in Antarctica. Yeah. So it was Vincent. Okay. And that was just the first opportunity so that came high, up. How high was that one? So it's a re- it's it's not a very high peak. Yep. It's around five thousand meters, yep. but it's uh, obviously extremely cold. remote, <laughs> cold. Yeah. Yep. Is is that the one where you, I think I read somewhere that uh, only forty people over the last millions of years, or whatever, have have done that peak? Is that was that that one? Uh, a lot more have done Vincent, Sidley. Which yep. is the volcano that I did in January uh, this okay. year? Yeah, yep. not many right. people have. Well, there's probably only about thirty-three, I think it was, that have been officially okay. recorded. Yeah, 
there's quite possibly a few scientists that have snuck away from their base they're and not, not officially. unofficially because <laughs> they're not meant to be yeah. <laughs> timed um, it, but not many. Just back with Antarctica. So, so was it really hard with the cult? Did, it, did, did that throw you or was it something you, again, you prepared for and, and felt okay? Uh, the cold was okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you just need the right gear and mm. you know, to be careful. What really actually did terrify me, again, one of those moments of, oh, my God, what am I doing, uh, was the sled hauling. Okay. What, what terrified you about that? Could I move it? Ah, it was heavy. Yes. Pretty heavy, yeah. Yeah, and being five foot nothing. So you had to pull uh, your own sled? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So down in... How many were in the group? In there one? was eight of us, yep. unsupported. Yeah. Wow. Um, and there's no dogs and that sort of thing allowed mm. down in Antarctica because mm-hmm. of the pristine environment. So it was hauling all of our own gear. Mm-hmm. So was it? did you, you practice that in training as much as you could? In Adelaide. Hauling something, hauling a sled or something? They not just, the same. It's not the same, <laughs> you can, Yeah, no, right. you, you really can't. Yeah. Not in Adelaide. Yeah. I, I guess I could have <coughs> gone across to the, the Alps yeah. in Australia, and but that was only during the uh, ski season. So here, really, all you can do is haul a tyre. Yeah, and it's not, it's not the it's cold, not, it's not the wind, it's not the same type of conditions. And it is quite a different... Mm. I mean, you're sort of, sort of exercising the same muscles, but it is quite different. Yeah. So how did you go? So the first time you started hauling that sled was, oh, my God. I was, thank this is God. going to be tough. No, no, no. I was, I was actually just terrified that, as I'd, again, <coughs> throwing myself into the training, done all I could. But it was still that complete, unknown, untried yeah. skill. It's like, okay, am I actually going to put on my skis, have my 50 kilo sled behind me Mm. and go, oh, I just can't move this. Um, That would would have been letting down the whole team. I mean, hopefully the uh, plane could have come back to get me if I actually just couldn't do it. But you could do it. I did. I could. I actually even pulled two sleds for one session for a couple of hours. Helping someone else out or? Oh, we had a a session where we had to move everything from our original camp to another base camp and then we could leave stores there. So it was just one session where we had to haul all the gear and that meant between two people we had three sleds to move so you could... Said to do a couple at one stage. Mm. Is that skiing as well? So did you... Mm. You couldn't practice skiing here, could you? Did oh, you I, I can ski. Can so, ski, okay. Yeah. Oh, right. And it was It was really... It's just... But it's different muscles again, isn't it? Like pulling yeah. the ski and... It, it, that's, yeah. That sort of skiing is... And when you're pulling a sled is really just a bit of a, a slog. Okay. You don't need any yeah. good skiing skills. So did it get tough on this trip? Did it get... Were there points like, like in a marathon or whatever? Can you relate it to something like that where it gets... To the point of, geez, I'm exhausted here and I've got to, still got to go the, all this distance. Do, do you have many moments like that in these treks? Or was it seen to be a long, slow sort of chip away at it? Probably more the long, slow yep. chip away. And that's yep. my forte. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my trainer will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You like the long battle. The yeah. Endurance type. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've even done an Ironman yet, have you? you? I've done two. Oh, you've done Ironman? Yeah. Which ones have you done? So I've done Busselton. Busselton yeah. was my second one. The first yeah. one I did was Port Macquarie. Okay. So while we're on that, what years were they? Oh, goodness. Uh, a while ago? It was only a few years ago. So it must have been 2013 or 14. No, 14, 15. Yeah, around that time. We'll, mm. we'll get to that as well. We're <laughs> leading there. <laughs> so I sort of thought you had done. I wasn't 100% mm. sure, but and, and that's after all the treks. So, rightio, so Antarctica. So is any? you want to talk more about that or do you want to move on to another one? 
I can move on to another yeah, one. There's quite a few moving. mountains yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, well, let's move to your next challenge or the next thing that really excited you. And and uh, was it then you went back to Everest or what was next on the radar? So Everest was the next trip. Yep. Uh, again, as I mentioned, because we were climbing from the north side in Tibet. Yep. 2008 and 2009, the peak was actually closed mm-hmm. from the north side. So that was... That actually worked probably well for me. We didn't run trips to Everest those mm-hmm. two years because yep. we couldn't go to the north side. It was bad weather or bad conditions? It was closed. Yep. No, as in the Chinese just didn't give ah, any okay. permits. Yep. So they weren't allowing anyone mm-hmm. to climb. So 2010 was the next chance that we could mm-hmm. run a trip. And I decided at that point, so after Vincent, we had a 7,000 metre peak that we were going to run through work. Mm-hmm. And it was 7,300, so I figured, right, okay, done Vincent, got some skills, I'll do it. And that was in October 2009. That's like, right, I'll go and do that trip. That will be, see how I go. Mm-hmm. And then if that goes well, Everest in April 2010. Yep. And I did, and so I did. <laughs> mm. And it went well. Yes, yes, you- I climbed the 7,000 metre peak and summited. And then 2010, we took a team to Everest in two th- right. And, uh, yes, was yeah. able to summit. So you got to the top. You got yes. to the top. And how many in your team on that trip got there? So we had about, I think we had nine people in the team. Only one bloke yeah. turned around. And he'd actually summited with us in 2007. Mm-hmm. But there were two of us in 2007 that had not summited. And this guy was like, oh, you know, I'll come along on the trip and mm. see you guys again. He lives interstate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it got to summit day and he was like, oh, not feeling great. Been there, done that. And yeah. I'll just turn around. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So that was his decision. But the rest of us got there. all summited, wow. including the guy that hadn't summited in 2007. So, yeah. so how, that was was that mo- how was that moment for you? Was it a big moment? Did it really hit home that you're at the top of Everest, everybody's talks about Everest as being the, the hardest mountain to climb and, you know, we all... It, well, it's not that. It, it probably isn't, but no, we all yeah. sort of talk about it in that way, the it, general person. And it's Everest. Yeah. yeah. It's the biggest. Yeah. Uh, so... But it must have been a great moment. You must have felt, oh, yeah. you know, pretty chuffed with yourself. Yes, but probably even more chuffed once I got back down to base camp. Oh, yeah. And you were so, safe. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, I think... Is that actually, a fear, is it, when you're up there that, oh, hang on, I've still got to get down and it's bloody hard to go down. Oh, yeah. All this steep sort of... The summit's only half the journey. Yeah. If, you, if you're okay. intending to come home, which yeah. I had promised my yeah. my husband and my children. <laughs> so we're talking about so. real fear here, like we're real the real possibility of injury or something worse. How do you handle that? Does it? Were you really scared, or do you sort of just downplay it and and think, well, everyone else is here with me. If it happens to me, it happens to them. How do you, what goes through your mind when that sort of fear comes to play, or does it does it come into your mind? I think fear or being scared doesn't have a place. Mm-hmm. If you are yep. really scared, then you probably shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. So for me, But I guess sometimes I you can't visualise the fear that's going to be there either. Or you might think, sit back here and think, oh, well, that's, that's, that's going to be easy or that. But then you get there and the reality is it's windier today than you thought. The person you're with is not as skilled or something out of the blue comes up that makes you more, more fearful than you thought you would be. Does that ever happen to you or not? Or you find a way to combat that? You manage it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yep. it's a matter of managing yep. what's going on as know, far as you can. Do you know can. how you manage it? Are you aware of how you manage it? Is it, is it like a... It's, a it's logical. It, it's logic, thinking yeah. it through. Yep. Okay, what are the options? What 
can we do? Yeah, so we've got plan forward, A, we've got plan B. Looking for solutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean, and I've got that accounting frame. <laughs> yeah. I've probably spreadsheeted the options. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. And it's, it's really interesting you say that. But, but, I mean, uh, taking it back to accounting or, or something else that you do in your life, if that's how your mind works and, and handles any sort of problem, I'm a big believer that that's, that's the functionality of your mind. And then when you are in a situation like that, you, you will resort back to that type of um, strategy. You know, yeah, it's not panicking and just yeah, it's your nature. getting scared yep. and shivering in the tent. It's okay, yep. what, what do we do? Do we go? Maybe we don't. And yep. I'm, prob- I'm definitely more one to err on the side of conservatism and yep. I'm coming out of this alive with all my fingers and toes. So, yeah, it's to keep your smarts and common sense. Hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Were there moments there, though, where it was really risky coming down? Or was it, did it go pretty much to plan? No, the descent was yep. fine. Um, got got down to high camp. So we had Sherpa, personal Sherpas, so everyone mm-hmm. had a Sherpa with them. Yep. Um, I'd like to say my Sherpa didn't do much at all that day rather than <laughs> just walk along behind me. Mm-hmm. I think he changed my oxygen over for me at one point, but that was it. Uh, so we got to high camp and the, the Sherpas, particularly if, depending on where everybody is on the mountain, you can actually... Although there are a lot of people there, you can be by yourself. Mm-hmm. So the Sherpas are under strict instructions to stay with each client, which yep. I was at that point. Yep. Uh, so we got to high camp and my Sherpa thought, oh, you know, what, what do you reckon? Can I stay here? Are you, is it okay? So that he could collect oxygen bottles and clean up. So I had one of, our, one of the other clients with me. So, okay, Chris, you know, do you mind? And he's like six foot six and legs mm. up to my shoulders. I was like, yeah, Chris, do you mind? going slower than you probably mm. would and just making sure that we're descending together. So then if, if anything does happen, because, I mean, you can slip, get tangled up in a rope and yep. you might be fine, mm. but if no one's around to help you get free yourself, the door, yeah. then you can die. Yep. So Chris very kindly um, agreed that he would descend with me. So every now and then he'd get ahead and then he'd stop and sit down and wait yep. for me. Um, so, yep. yeah, so it was all fine. Fantastic. A success. Mm. Okay, from from there then, where do we head then? So then a few months later we had a trip that was a charity group to Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of how the Seven Summits ends yeah. up. Just so building, yeah. And this one's a bigger one, isn't it? Kilimanjaro. So Kilimanjaro is um, a touch under 6,000 oh, okay. metres. Yep. Yeah, yep. so. But one of, the, yep, one of the seven. Yes. Yep. Yes, and it was a, I was guiding it. Yep. Is that okay. an easier one? Or not, I don't like using that word, but is that a not a, as risky as Everest? Yeah, okay. It's <laughs> you, that look <laughs> on your face like you could do it in your sleep. <laughs> well, it's, it's trekking boots. It's a challenge. That'd be a good one to start with for a novice. Look, if, there's a, if there's a lady out there who's married with children and thinking, this is inspiring, I, I want to I be like that, would that be a good one for them to start with? After they've obviously done some rock climbing skills and things like that, would that be... Oh, they wouldn't need rock climbing skills. No. Okay. Kilim- so, so Kilimanjaro is yeah. just is a trek. Yeah. Uh, I guess for a person like you're describing, yep. a mum at home that yep. wants to or give some attitude to go... Mum or dad, anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Uh, Could be me. <laughs> for someone that doesn't genuinely, um, isn't able to leave for too long, uh, then yes, Kilimanjaro... Yep. Is a good one because it, it's quite a short trip. What, what's the all up commitment on that one? A couple of weeks? Less than two weeks. Yep. Perfect. Mm. It's a really busy peak. Yep. And it is, it's a trek. Yep. Uh, what's it, the good things about that one? What, what would be appealing for someone to do that? It's just a beautiful, is it beautiful views and, and those types of things? No? It's, 
There's better oh. ones to do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which one oh. would you do first for that, per- for that person mm-hmm. that, that decides they want to make a change in their life and this would be the first step, but which one would you recommend would be ideal? I would take someone to Nepal yep. and do yeah, probably some lower. I mean, six and a half thousand metres is. So f- go a further bit. than base camp. Don't just do the base camp. If someone would, oh, absolutely. I mean, yep. base camp is actually good because yep. it's a five thousand five hundred metres. Yep. So it's still significant. You, yeah. Yep. yep. Well, base camp itself is at about five two, but you go yep. up a little peg yep. nearby and you go up a bit higher. Uh, but again, it's it's not a short yep. option. I wouldn't. I don't take clients for less than about twenty twenty one days. Mm-hmm. So that's a three week trip. Yep. Depending, if they're happy to take on over six thousand metres, then there's a couple of peaks in mm-hmm. Nepal. Yep. That absolutely, it, it's just Beautiful. it's an amazing country. Yeah. The whole experience. It's a proper trek in. Yeah. Uh, whereas Kilimanjaro is quite a quick mm-hmm. trip, and it's. I mean, it's absolutely. It's perfect for somebody that says, "No, nah, I want to try around six thousand metres, but I cannot." Leave home for Too more long. than two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it is the, like the Tanzanian culture, and, and that sounds sort like of that extra week would be worth it though to do the Nepal one. Oh, look! If yeah. I yeah, if I was sitting down with somebody, I'd yeah. definitely be trying to encourage them. Hey, the world won't stop. One more week. That's right. <laughs> it's good for the kids. They'll learn how to use the washing machine. And yeah, exactly which, right. Which so, my boys have. I'm very proud of that because <laughs> we we're talking about guilt earlier. Yeah. Um, so they've had to oh, – yeah, we, we, we like to go different directions. I like to go different directions when I chat to people. So so sideways here is that your, your family, your boys, your yeah. three boys, what are their ages now? So they're now 23, 22 and 20. Yeah. And what do you think they've learned from your um, – not your feats but your – Personality, yeah, all of that, yeah, yeah. it's all connected. So, yeah, your absence, but also your ability to push yourself and challenge, and your resilience, and your the way you think when you you don't think of fear, you think of ways around fear. Has that rubbed one? Has that rubbed off on on them? And two, have they become more resilient and determined and independent at home because they've we're going to step up? Mum's not here to you know wipe our bum all the time and do our dishes. Talk me through them and and how they've how do you think they've benefited from it? They can, they can all cook. They yep. can all use the yep. washing machine. <laughs> yeah. um, so for, for three young men... Yeah. So dad, dad makes them do that, I guess, as well, when you're not there, facilitates that. Well, they need that. to pitch in. Yeah. yeah. And I've always been strongly of yep. the mind that once they're, once they're capable, yep. God, they can use a game console and yeah. reprogram the laptop. They can work out how to yeah. use the washing yeah. machine. <laughs> they, they, they can do anything. Absolutely. And I guess from your point, I don't know if you're similar to me in that I'm thinking, and I always think this way, how do I leverage this so that if I, when I am away, I don't have to worry because if I can teach them to be independent, that's I don't have to stress. You know mm. what I mean? If, if they weren't independent, then I'd worry more when I'm away. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And sort of about the boys, but also my husband because yes. he can only take yeah. on so much. Yeah. So... Um, for him to be able to step up, yep. they need to pitch in. So certainly when yep. they were younger, they yep. they needed to be able to get their school bag ready and, yep. and that sort of stuff. But now they can look after the house. And, yep. and have they taken on any of your um, feats, your skills, your uh, personality? Are they having a, are they into fitness or climbing or any of these or good at challenging themselves? They are, yes. What are, tell me what they're so, doing, just briefly. What are they doing? What's the oldest one doing? So the oldest one is doing medicine. Yeah. Oh, um, so you've answered the question right there. It's yeah. <laughs> only a high achiever that would do, uh, have even think of doing medicine. That's fantastic. Absolutely. How's he going with it? Good? Yeah. So far? Yeah, really well. Yeah. yeah he's um, at the end of his sixth year of study. He's yeah. doing an honours year this year. And he's a CrossFit addict. Yeah. Oh, good. And he does altitude 
just disgustingly well. So, so he's had a, you've had a big influence on him by the sounds of it. You must have. I, yeah, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, the the sure positive side I'm of sure, it. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, so he came on Kilimanjaro yeah. with me on oh, the wow. trips. So yeah. Just the two of you or the other children as well? No, so it, well, it was just my eldest yep. and I was guiding a group. Yeah, so fantastic. He came along. It was Had great a, fun. Yeah. yeah, Good bonding? It was. Did, did you... Was it was there good moments there? Was it really? Did you grow together? Do you think, or was it uh, tough at times? Had it, had I was, yeah, no, it, it, I'm sure he had a few tough moments. In yeah. fact, there were several of the, the blokes in the group admitted to a bit of a tear at the uh, crater, and then my Your son. Your tears was, or his tears? No, his, no, the boys. <laughs> was like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, yeah. I think it, I mean it, it is a, quite a tough summer day. Yeah, yeah. Having sort of downplayed it a little bit, um, yeah. it is quite an altitude gain yeah. from high camp to yeah. summer. How, so old, how old was he when he did that? He must have been, he'd left school. Yeah. I think he was about 17, 18, wow. 18, 19. Yeah. So under 20. That, that's, I love that. That's fantastic. He might, he might have just turned 20. Yeah. Around, okay. But yeah. Around that age. Yeah, that, teens that's or pretty 20. good. That's a, it's fantastic. I love it. Oh, he, he, really he did good. really well. Yeah. Uh, and then I took the whole family to do. So when I did the Mexican mm-hmm. volcano, that was the family holiday. Yeah. So we've summited uh, two volcanoes. So there's one, we did a, a first volcano as a warm-up to yep. acclimatise and I've got the family summit shot, mm-hmm. all five of us, on the summit of this 5,400-metre yep. volcano. Oh, that's good. Which was an awesome parenting moment. Yeah. And this <laughs> is only a year and a half ago. So. How did the youngest go on that? Was he all right? He was. Yep. Uh, he, he actually, so my youngest, who's at uni as well and he's yep. doing... Three degrees, yeah. studying music, law, and commerce. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yes, using all the does parts he of his brain. Play an instrument? Is he into, he, with his music, or is he just studying the theory of it? He does play, but his love is composition. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's continued mm-hmm. that from school. Yeah. And, um, the, and the middle one. What's so he he's doing an electrical trade. Yeah. So he's hands on. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's good that he's a different. Sort of different tack to the other two. Oh, it's great. Yeah. 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 So he started electrical engineering yep. and... Wasn't for him. Yeah, I think he, he may or may not go back to it. Yeah. But I think the practicality of yeah. the, the trade and going to work yep. has, has worked wonders for him. Yep. He's, he's doing brilliant. I mean, he's a very smart young man. I'm sure he is. So no, he's no uh, doing brilliantly. Yeah. So and uh, what's, dad, what's dad do? Does he... What's so he's he do in the building it? industry. Yep. Okay. Sarah Group. Yeah. And he was a good triathlete, was he? Yes, ex- a really good marathon runner. So his best marathon, oh, it'll kill me if I get this wrong, two hours 48 You've already got me. <laughs> wow. and 49 seconds yep. or something. What's, he was okay. aiming under 250. Yeah. And he got it. I would have been doing triathlons back then, uh, around the time he was doing I'm sure. His early, his early 20s that he did triathlons. Yes. Yep. Yep, yeah. But he can't run now, is it? He doesn't. It? No, he doesn't yep. run distance. Yeah. Does he still keep fit? Is he still? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, no, he's disgustingly fit. Yeah. What's, <laughs> so, it, what's he do for fitness? So m- mostly weights yep. um, and some cardio. He actually yep. he was in a car accident when he was 17, 18. Ah, okay. Um, yep. broke, his, broke his leg really badly. Okay. And then, yeah, quite a few good, hard, yep. fast marathons in his 20s. Under three Just, hours, that's, I mean, under yeah. 250, that's fantastic. So there's some genes there. There's some good, the boys have got some good... Uh, a lot of good uh, genes in their parents, so that's fantastic. And it sounds like they're doing really well. Yeah, right. yes. And so, yeah, so they do various yep. exercises. Some of the youngest one has said, come, come rock climbing with me. Yep. Hiking. Loves his hiking. Do you worry and about them when they're rock climbing? 
We rock climbs with me, so. Yeah, but still, I mean, it's only. <laughs> only when I set up the, the yeah, actual yeah. ropes and I was like, oh, I'll go yeah. first, just in case. I know, just, I, I, I'm just getting in, been, been into surfing at the moment. I took my, my son out last week and even with that, I've always got to have one eye on him and I can't fully relax when I'm yeah. doing something a little bit risky. Well, you, you have to talk to my husband because he's the surfer. Yeah. And our youngest goes surfing with him as yeah, well. Yeah. I think uh, the guy we went with last week, my twin brother and, this, and a friend, and uh, his two lads went with him, and he's totally, he doesn't even look back. So it's, it's, once again, it's getting back to what we've been talking about. I think it's a familiarity, building up mm. one step at a time, and then before you know it, it's second nature. I think that's the key to making change and, I think, challenges. You, you do... You've got to build up and you've got to get familiar with what you're doing and build those skills and the muscles and then, you know, then sort of challenge yourself and attack it. So I think talking to you, that that sounds like what you've done a lot with your, you know, learning to climb and your tricks and things. So rightio, so after Everest, what do you do after 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 all that? So what, what number are we at, two or three with the, the So seven? Kilimanjaro was three. Yep. yep. Then so I finished with Denali and Elbrus. Can we just chalk, actually? What I think of it, the one where you, you talk about you had to go on a cargo plane. and uh, So that's down to Antarctica. Yeah, that one. Trip, just, yeah. just quickly, can we just talk about that? what that was like? So building up to this Antarctica trip, you're in a cargo plane, you're landing on blue ice, and then you've got another five-hour flight just to get to the base of the mountain. So <laughs> how, many, how big is this cargo plane? So it's a Russian Aleutian. Yeah. So it's, it's a decent-sized plane, yeah. but with only like two portholes in the doors so you're basically in this flying tube yeah. I, mem- I remember when we last when we landed the first time so when i went to do vincent yeah um we've got out of the plane and gone into the tents everyone's going wow yeah, that was a pretty spectacular landing so, <laughs> oh really and yeah. apparently we were just skewing all over the ice couldn't see it Shit. didn't really feel it oh my god so, oh, okay cool <laughs> glad i didn't know about that and they didn't did you get much information about these this build up to the, to getting to the base of this mountain before who, who, yeah. your did your company run that one? That, that, so the, yes, yeah. our company did run that one. Yeah. However, so it was, but it was an indiv- it was a individual trip. There is a company called ALA, the yeah. Antarctic Logistics and Expeditions. Yeah, uh, they run that part of it. They, the they've flight. got a base yeah. there, and so they run a whole heap of their own mm-hmm. trips. But yeah. then they can also provide logistics for private companies. Yeah. that they are happy to deal yep. with and let them lose. Yep. Obviously, they've got their own liability yep. to worry about. But um, Does it worry you things like that, not knowing who this, who's you know, the pilot of this plane and how it's going to land? And we just sort of, not, I'll take faith in the people that are organising. I'll, I'll just take it one step at a time. If it's risky. It is risky. Uh, but, and I think going back to a few of the, the trips and managing that risk, it's yep. about doing your research, knowing and understanding what you're getting into mm-hmm. and who you're putting your trust in. Yep. So the ALA are an incredible business and they've been doing this for many years and okay. they are yep. just awesomely good. Yeah. Um, so you knew you know that going into it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So exciting. When I read that, I thought, that sounds so exciting. <laughs> so well, even more exciting, the little twin otters that you then, because oh, yeah, like, the you f- can't see anything in the, the illusion. Yeah. It's exciting because you're going down to Antarctica. But yeah. then you get in the little twin otters. Yeah. And these pilots are just unbelievable. Like yeah. some of them are Canadian bush pilots and yeah. their Experience. skills. Oh, yeah. they're unbelievable. Yeah. So the trip that I did in January this year when I finished the 7-7 was to Sydney. Yeah. which is the, the final volcano. Yeah. And our, our pilot for that one, 
he landed us in the crater. Yeah. So we had this rock star camp with this little – so for six days, whatever it was, yeah. we've got the, like inside the crater with the, the walls around it. So it was sort of horseshoe-shaped because yeah. it had blown out. Our little plane, we had our pilot, our second pilot and our mechanic and we're sort of heading up to climb mm. this peak. It was like <laughs> – yeah, this exciting. Is, yeah, exciting. And just to make you yeah. look back down from when you're up, yeah. up climbing, you see your camp. It's like, oh. How do you settle into normal life when you come back from that? You get bored? You must get a little bit bored back here in boring old Adelaide, or do you just no, t- no. take comfort that this is family and this is home. my life? And yeah. I'll, I'll, do, I'll, I'll think about my next adventure. Now, actually, oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's always a next adventure. I could go on for hours here. Katie, but, um, <laughs> I just want to talk about, so you've done the 7-7. Now, you, you, were you the first South Australian to summit Mount Everest woman? For, yes. Yep. So there's only two South Australians that well, have actually summited. Can I ask, why do you think more haven't done it? Or what's, just, it's just they haven't. haven't women or people or either? Yeah. So women specifically or just yeah, so people you, in general? Well, well, you, you're the first South Australian aid to summit Mount Everest. Yep. Yeah. And, so, and so, Duncan so, Chessel is the yeah, only yeah, so I guess my question is... Why aren't we more women trying to do it, or why haven't they in the past, or what's? Do you have any ideas as to what's what's stopping them, or are, are more women trying to do that now? Uh, so, I mean, South Australian with our small population, yeah, I would so have thought there'd be. You know, there's been one or two that have had a go. Yeah, but didn't quite get there. Yeah. yeah, haven't been able to summit. Yeah, uh, I mean, at that point, I was the so I'm still the only yeah one only one of two to yeah. summit at Everest from SA. It's a pretty good title to hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I think I was the sixth Australian woman yep. at that point. Yeah. And there have been yeah. more since then. And and off the 7-7, seven, seven, you're, the, you're the only woman that's done that? Yes. The only woman. And you're in, you're in a group of what, eight or nine men, I think, as well? Yes. That have done yep. it. So top ten. No, that's quite – and once again, I, I would, it's interesting to sort of talk about, well, could more women do it, do you think? Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you think is yeah. holding them back? So many people, because I, I do a bit of speaking and yep. talk to people, and people are flatteringly very interested in mm. the crazy stuff that yeah. I do. Yeah. And so many people well, say, oh, Especially when you're a pioneer, when you're one of the, f- that's, that's breaking new ground. You know, that, that doesn't matter what you do in life, if you're the first one to do it, that's yeah, incredible, yeah. really, when you think about it. It is, although, I mean, I'm a, I might. You probably don't I'm, see it that way, is it? Well, it was yeah. actually a surprise. I was on that final trip when I was with another guy who was all over all the lists and yeah. who's done what. And we're about to go and climb Sidley and looking at his list and I've gone, oh, you know, these people, that people. You know, it's Antoine and Andre and Fred and Hans and mm. there's no women no. in this list. Yeah. I was like, oh, But there's probably a good wow. reason for that. <laughs> it's because it's so dangerous. Well, no. Nah, and I'm, you probably I'm need sure. things that, you know, skills that it's, it's hard that... It was harder for women to do some things, you know, like the strength in, involved or, oh, absolutely, or even, yeah. I guess, you know, over the years, getting the time to do it, as you said, mm. with commitment with children and things like that. But um, you've done it, you know, you're one of the first to do it and hopefully that's in, that is inspiring to other women. And I'm sure if they contact your business, which I'll put in the notes later, that, um, you know, they can talk to someone like you to inspire them to have a go. I mean, I'd love my own wife and, and people I know that to, to be inspired by that and have a go. Because I, I can't see any reason why they... They can't as well, you know. Have, exactly. So it's probably just learning the mindset and not being guilty and these types yeah. of things we've talked about, you know. It, it's changing the way I'd love to do that. I wish I yep. could too. Mm. I want to do that and I'm going to. Yeah. It's it's a different 
yeah. approach. And so I guess I've always it is. It's a lot gone, of mind, I'm mindset, do isn't that. it? Yeah. yeah. Um, what I might do now? Can I just ask you a few questions that my mum sent me? <laughs> oh, look, I, I love a bloke that will still listen to his mum, being oh, a mother of mum. three boys. So. My mum's a mother of four boys. <laughs> oh, right. And I'm a twin, identical twin, so we were a handful. So she's, a, she's unbelievable. Um, and she, like I said before, she, she, she sort of had to go up because I haven't had a woman on the podcast. And I meant to. I've, I've been trying to get um, some guests, but just haven't been able to talk to them. Um, I'll, read, I'll read what she said. I've read, she's read about you and she said you must be very inspiring. Um, she really wonders how these women do it. They have, do they have the money, the good support to look after the kids? What do their husbands do? Uh, you've talked about what your husband does. He's a builder. Um, <laughs> how do they clean, wash, shop and take care of their house? We've talked about that. You get your, the boys to help and, and I'm assuming too that you, you must go very hard around the house with the same intensity that you have in all your training. Is that how you, how do you get it all done or do you have a house cleaner or how do you balance it all? I have to admit I do have a cleaner. And that, that's and great. That's, because, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess on a day-to-day basis, even when I am home, yeah. so certainly when I'm away, yeah. it's an essential. Yeah. Um, and to find someone good, you just want to keep them. Yeah. Uh, and you, can, I, and you can't have the time to do everything. So no, to, absolutely. And that, that's an important I, message to, to be able to achieve other things. You've, you've got to do things like that. You've got to be, you've got to find, like I said before, you find a way to do it. You know, that's your yeah. mindset. So. And it, it, I think... Especially the people that say, oh, I wish I could. It, it's a matter of fitting it into your life and prioritising. Yeah. And so for me, I've got my business. I've got, well, I've got the family first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. I've got my business. I've got my training. I study. Yeah. I'm an eternal student. Of, but, when you say study, reading books, do you mean? Or you're studying I'm an avid reader yeah. as well, definitely yeah. an avid reader. Yeah. The, the latest trip, I admitted five weeks into it that I just... I'd, Managed to already get through fifteen books. When when do you read? Do you read at night as well, or, yeah. or as well as to the Black before Blackadder? <laughs> yeah, before Blackadder, I always have to read. Reading's important, isn't it? Like oh, it, I love it, is, it inspires yeah. you. It, it gives you ideas. It teaches you how to think and how to look forward and how to challenge yourselves. So you, you do learn a lot from reading. I'll move on here. So, age of your kids, we've talked about and how you make time for them. We want, we you've t- I take, take them, them on, on the treks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've, you've involved. We them go climbing. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to do a lot of training. What do you do to relax? So that's where the reading comes yep. in. Yep. Uh, I actually find a lot of the training is my sort of zen. Yeah. It's like it's a treat because now I actually probably really shouldn't run, uh, although I did obviously do two Ironman yep. events on my fused ankle. Uh, but generally, I don't. I don't run every day by any stretch. That's yep. my treat. It's yeah. something I, I still love out. doing. Yeah. Because I'm trying to look after that ankle. Do you meditate at all? Have you, have you no, had a look at my that husband yet? does, and I just can't. I, I, I did a yoga session, yeah. a one-on-one, one, one on two, um, a few months ago with this woman. My husband and I were all away, mm. and we're, we're doing all the, the postures. You know, and we said, you know, this is our one one time we've actually done a, yeah. a small one-on-two rather than just a big class. So, you know, can you keep an eye on our postures and yeah. how we're actually doing the positions? And she was very complimentary because, you know, we're both fairly fit and strong. Yeah. So we're doing all the positions. Until at the end, she <laughs> said to me, you don't do shavasana very well, do you? Which is the like the corpse pose yep. when you're meant to be lying there still. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Thank you. That's, yeah, that's me. Captain office. <laughs> so meditating, no, but I find going for a run up on the wine shanty yep. track. It's relaxing. And, it's, and, and because yeah. I'm now not running training, yep. it is a treat. Yep. 
I, my brain just switches everything off and bounces around. Yeah, yeah. Well, I must admit, I've just got into meditation the last month or two via an app on the phone. And it's only five or ten minutes a day, but I can't wait to do it now. And I do find it really soothing and calming. Anyway, I'll move along. Um, does she read? Yes, we've talked about that. Um, friends, do you, do you have a lot of friends? Do you keep in contact with... Do you have time for, for friends or was that too hard to... No, absolutely. Uh, yes, I do you have do. friends yep. and I do. I you make the time. You keep in contact them yep. with them regularly and think, yeah. Again, that's a priority up there. Are they all friends that are in your circles with your treks and things or is it people outside no. of that as well? My dearest, most wonderful group of friends are my school friends. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. I've got a group of girls and there's seven or eight of us. Yep. So we actually had a, a lunch last week, week before, yep. and it was a birthday lunch, yep. and there was eight of us that all went through school together. That's great. Where do you so, go to school, can I ask? St Peter's Girls. Saint Peter, yeah. Yeah. My daughter just finishes school today. That's oh. St Aloysius. Oh, okay. Muck Up Day? What's that? Is it Muck Up Day? Yes. And <laughs> I think... I think they're going well, out. Hope, hopefully she's not coming home early. So I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's If she's home early, it's because she's done something naughty. I know she's going out tonight and she's asked me to put the tent up because they want to sleep in the tent to get rid of get ready for schoolies because they're taking the tent to school. So that'll be interesting. Um, <laughs> Good luck. If you can, my mum says you deserve a medal. If you can not do all, if you can do all that, with, and especially a lot, and she says, if you can do all that, you deserve a medal. And a lot of women these days, and we've talked about this, have guilt complexes when it comes to time and how they use it. Um, she wants to know, what positive talk do you give yourself? Do you have a certain mantra or positive talk that you that you say to yourself? Or is it just... I think it's comes, a general... Yeah, just it's, a general, it's a general attitude. Yeah. Uh, you've got a saying or a... Like I never give up, or I'll, have you got anything in your, that you? Do you want to share it? Have you got something? Well, I, I can share it, but I'm not sure about the uh, <laughs> the, the swear word rules That's right. on no, your fine. podcast. That's fine. So um, this is going back to the 2007 mm-hmm. Everest trip. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever come across Ronnie Johns, who's a comedian, and he does Chopper Reed impersonations. Oh, yeah. With, yeah. yeah. Love him. And and his. Tagline was harden the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. So before the 2007 Everest trip, yep. and they, they actually literally arrived the morning I was getting on the plane, I've ordered chopper reed mm-hmm. uh, wristbands with harden the fuck up on them. And I look back now thinking, God, that was so cheeky. Mm. All these experienced climbers, I've turned up with one for everybody. Going, yep. Hey, hey, isn't this? Yeah, when you're feeling yep. really bad on the peak. Um, He's a wristband. And I still have, I've had quite a few of them, but I've still got the original wristband from the 2007 trip. Comes out every every peak, every expedition I go on. And that's my, if I am feeling a bit. (coughs) Love it. Love it. Okay, just harden up. Yeah, and, and that's good. I love so that's my pick. It's all, that's sort of like that says to me too. When I think of that, is like, don't think of the negatives. Hmm. Toughen up and just do what's required. Yeah, love that on, one. Just love get on one. with it. There's now, final, final comment from my mum. Uh, why would you push yourself to such great extremes? I was going to ask one of these bigger questions later, but mum's already <laughs> just ask her, why do you push yourself to these great extremes? And we're not talking about just an Ironman even. Like an Ironman, I've done, as you can say, I've done a couple of Ironman, but that, that, that powers into significance, to insignificance to something that perhaps puts your life on the line or you get injured and you're away from your family for so long. I might be away from my family for four days when I do an Ironman. So what pushes you to these great extremes? I'd love the challenge. It's really, I guess seeing what I'm capable of. Uh, 
mean, as we were discussing, the sort of the seven summits, let alone the seven... Well, the seven summits was certainly something that just fell into place. Opportunities were coming up. And then by the time I'd done three or four of them, it was like, oh, well, I might as well just finish this. Yeah. Um, and then the volcanoes was sort of, oh, why don't I just find some cool destinations to go and, okay, the, the volcanoes will be a fun thing just to give me some direction yeah. rather than just trying to find random peaks or people so, to go uh, with. So part of your holiday, in a way, like part of a holiday destination, but also well, Mexico the, was, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. I, I made that yeah. a part of yeah. our family. But what, but what pushes you to the extremes, like the top of Everest and the, you know, the, the, now the climbing even here where you broke your ankle, what, what pushes you to, be, to do the extremes, do you think? Just that need, it is, for, is it a need the, for challenge? Yeah, it's yeah. the challenge and just saying... What I'm capable of. Yeah. Do you love yeah. looking back at it and think, wow, I've been up there, I've been in that plane, I've been up there, I've been in that risky moment. Is that, do you, do you reflect a lot on that? Uh, Have you got photos up extent. everywhere at home? No, no, no not, they're not everywhere at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, sort of, it's probably more, oh, wow, yeah, that's right, I did that. Yeah. Uh, I tend to look forward rather than backwards. Mm-hmm. I think I look back really just to learn from mistakes. Mm-hmm. You have to do that, otherwise you'll just repeat the same mistakes. Yep. But it's, it's definitely more forward-focused about what's next. Yep. Uh, I think, I mean, as I said, it's definitely about the challenge and yep. what I can achieve. And I think also my mother died when, in fact, she was about my age now, mm-hmm. oh, so okay. a long time yep. ago. And I tend to think that within reason, obviously, you can't just throw all caution to the winds and live for yourself, yep. but even now, if I did, if I did, unfortunately, go at the same age as my mother, yep. there wouldn't be many, any regrets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all except for the fact that oh my god, I wanted to do this and this and this. Yeah. But looking back, that, that, that's a big driver, I think, because I, I can relate a bit. I remember seeing my father in hospital when he was in his early forties, had a triple bypass, and I oh, remember walking yeah. down that hallway thinking. Lives early to be 40s. lived. Yeah. yeah, he was mid mid forties. He was a heavy smoker. He's yeah. still alive yeah. now. He's eighty. So he, he's been through some incredible things and, and he's, trouble, he's having some trouble at the moment, but he's still fighting. And so I remember back in those days, I didn't know that. I was, you know, I was a young 20-year-old walking down the hallway of the, mm. of the hospital thinking, life's short, I'm going to try and do as much as I can. Yeah. So oh, that's, that's, I reckon that sounds like a big driver for you. So can Absolutely. I ask what, what she yeah. passed away from? What happened? It was a skin cancer. That, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah so it's very much thinking. Is dad still alive? Yes, yep. yes he is. Yep. So, yeah, any opportunity, yep. if there is, unless there's, I really, really, really can't take up that opportunity. Yep. It's like, well, okay, that sounds really cool. Yeah, let's do Can it. Can I do it? Yeah. Yep. I'll make it, I'll try and make it work. Yeah, love that. Can I ask a couple of final questions? What What did mum and dad do? Did what, or Mainly, I guess back then, mum was probably a stay-at-home mum, was she? Or was she your worker? She actually wasn't. Um, uh-huh. She was quite unusual, I think, for her generation in yep. that she did... And in fact, I think it was over the time that I was born, she got a teaching degree. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very... Un- I mean, she didn't yeah. work a lot, but like she did the study. But she still was qualified and... Yeah, worked, and yeah. worked a little bit. Sounds um, like my mum. It's great. Yeah, yeah, which is wonderful to see yeah. from that generation because yeah. it is it was rare. a bit more unusual. It was rare. Well, I know a lot of my friends, their, mum, their mums didn't work, so... Hmm. Um, and dad? So dad spent pretty much his life with Was the Wales and then Westpac. Bank. Yep. So it was a bank oh, manager. Bank, yeah. Is yep. that where the accounting comes from, perhaps? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> did you study accounting? Uh, did so I did a business degree and then yep. I did a master's in accounting. Oh, wow. Okay. And so um, 
So dad worked in the bank for his, pretty much his whole career? Yes, yeah. yeah, most of it. Yeah. Was he conservative? Or was he... Where do you get your, where do you get your outgoing personality from, do you think, from mum? Mum being a bit of a pioneer? I guess. Well, yeah. oh, that's a difficult question. Um, <laughs> except he wasn't a, a sort of flamboyant, out there, burning yeah. her bra, flying the flag kind of... Yeah. Um, pioneer. But she, she, was, she just quietly did. But she was treading degree. a different path. At least. She was. Yeah. Uh, I really don't know where it came from. <laughs> I think it's that desire to. So I mean, the, I guess yep. the academic side certainly obviously must have come yep. from mum. And so I've always, I've yep. always, as I said, I've always studied. So mm. currently, I'm doing a. Gone back to undergraduate degree, and I'm doing. Oh, you're studying a, now. You are. Oh, yeah, oh. No, I am genuinely. Oh, I, thought you said, I thought you were just reading for fun. So, what are you studying? So, I'm doing an undergraduate degree. It's basically human movement, oh, well. exercise <laughs> physiology, Where just because I love it. Yeah. Um, it's through. It's online. Yeah. It's through UNE University of New England. Which oh, okay. Yeah. Eastern Seaboard. So, is that all online? Is it? Is it? Most of it is, yeah. although there are a couple of subjects that do need three days. Where do you get the time days. to do that? There must be a lot of commitment. You still must do exams and things mm, like that. Yeah. So you oh. and um, and I uh, still have the academic anything less than a distinction or high distinction isn't yeah. any good kind of things. So, yeah. So I put myself under that pressure as well. But wow. again, I mean, it's it's prioritising the time, and yeah. I do. Your your weeks must be f- absolutely full. <laughs> now I've only got a couple of very quick questions. One more. One more question. And I, I did talk about this before the show too, but when it comes down to it, what, what does it all really come down to for you? What, what, what's it all mean? What, what's in, I guess what that's saying is what's, in, what's the most important things to you and, and the way to live, do you think? So certainly, the, I mean, the most important thing to me is my husband and family. Yeah. And making sure that they are happy. And I mean, obviously the boys are now old enough that they're yep. pretty much leading their own lives, but... Yep. That's always got to be the first priority. They still live at home? The oldest one's still at home? No, the oldest one has moved out. The other yep. two are still at home. Wow. How'd you go with him moving out? Did you miss him? Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't, I sort of, I want my oldest to move out, but I don't want <laughs> I know, Well, he, he hasn't moved very far away. Yeah. And oh, that's good. He comes over, so he's coming over for dinner tonight and yep. always comes over on the that's weekend. Good. It's a big move though, isn't it? Like when you've had him home for 20 odd years, mm. you know, at the dinner table, it's, a, it's still a big move. I it, oh, it is, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we yeah. yeah we catch up for lunch and yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, I yeah. guess you I guess you're adapting, get used to it. You do, <laughs> I think. Yes, yeah, so, I mean it was quite sad when he did move out. Yeah. But I mean, at twenty three. Yeah, it's, it's, it's time. It is time. Yeah. So that was yeah. it's like, oh, he's not seventeen and yeah. running away. He's, yeah. um, it is the right time. But yeah, uh, yeah I think maintaining that yeah. communication and bond. Yeah, which sounds like you've, you've done, and mm. being away together at that age, it, that would have been. Fantastic. So, so it really comes down to family and friends, and everything you do has to, obviously has to and must add to that. So yes. you, everything you do, I mean, I'm sure. You, it, although you have moments of guilt, it doesn't like you break yourself down with guilt when you're away because you couldn't because you you wouldn't safely be able to do what you need to do. But in terms of the big picture, it sounds like it all fits in and, and gives you a happy family life as well, which is which is inspiring to them and fantastic. Now I'm going to lead that into. I'd like to finish off with some appreciations, Katie. Um, firstly, I want to. I want to really appreciate you for being a pioneer for women. And I, I stand, sometimes it sounds funny to me saying that, like sort of separating. But, I, but, but you are, you know, being the first to do anything. And I, and I think you, that, that is an inspiring thing. And my podcast is about um, an inspiring woman back in the 1800s, as we talked about. So I want to appreciate you for that. I want to appreciate you for then being a leader of people with your business. You take people away and you have a chance to inspire not just women but perhaps someone like me who might do – they trek with my son 
or, and daughter, if, if, you know, if oh, she wants to come yeah. as well. Yeah, that's just that is so much fun. I can't I bit, strongly I, recommend it. I was enough. a little bit scared thinking that seventeen's too young. No, but, no, no. But I've taken fifteen-year-olds. Yeah, and they were brilliant. <coughs> if they want to be there, and yep. it's their thing. Yeah, and my two, I know, yeah. I know my yeah. family would would definitely same. Give it everything. Uh, so I want to uh, appreciate you you for that. Um, and I just want to appreciate you for your humility, your modesty, and for saying yes to coming on. You did not hesitate. You text <laughs> me when you're running slightly late. You, you kept me up to date, and um, you've been a fantastic guest, and I really want to thank you. Thank Thanks you. For coming. It's been a pleasure. Always discover your vision, and the rest will follow. Now, my second, my second rule is never, ever think small. If you're going to accomplish anything, you have to think big. You have to go and shoot for the stars. The biggest challenge most people have is because they think small. And the reason why people think small and why they choose small little goals is because they're afraid to fail. They know that if you shoot for a big goal, then the chances of failing are very high. And they're afraid of failing. It's one of the most common things why people are frozen and why they can't make a move in life because they're scared of failing. I say to myself, hey, I'm not worried about failing because that's part of life. You're not going to go and win everything. And how far can you fall? Look at this. This is the ground. That's as far as I can fall. And you know something? That the only time you really consider the failure is if you fall and you don't get up. But if you get up, you never consider the failure. So I never considered myself a failure. I always considered myself a winner, even though I fell every so often. But I always got up and I always moved forward. <laughs>